0: Hey there, party people. This is Queer Watching. I'm Jesse here with my best pal, Brianna, and today we're talking about Rustin. Rustin is a 2023 American biopic directed by George C. Wolfe from a screenplay by Julian Brees and Dustin Lance Black about the civil rights activist Bayard Rustin. It was produced by the Obamas um, and their production company Higher Ground, and it stars Coleman Domingo in the title role alongside Chris Rock, Jeffrey Wright, and Audra McDonald. It is based on the true story of Rustin, who helped Martin Luther King Jr. and others organize the 1963 March on Washington. Uh, Rustin originally premiered at the Telluride Film Festival back in August of this year. It was screened at TIFF on September 13, 2023. It did its kind of... Typical theatrical run, so it can qualify for Oscars in November, but was at pretty select theaters, and then it hit Netflix just two days ago on November 17th, 2023. So for once, we're on the pulse. Quick spoiler alert for, I don't know, I guess his entire life. Mostly the source materials. Okay, yeah, that's all of that stuff. So I guess first, uh, let's start with when did you first learn about Bayard Reston, Brianna?
1: I think the first memory I have about or learning about him was in high school, because I feel like that's the first time I learned that he was gay. And so he and like and so notable in this movement during a time where like it absolutely was not okay to be queer. And so I think that solidified. Like my knowledge of him, because I was like, oh, it could be possible for someone to exist as openly gay and have this impact in the civil rights movement. And I'm sure I learned about him prior to that, but not in that context, which of course I'm always like, well, why? Because he was clearly somebody who was out and and proud, as proud as you could be in that time period as this movie highlighted. But yeah, definitely not as early as I learned about any of the other civil rights move- movement leaders like Martin Luther King or, or Malcolm X.
0: What class in high school?
1: I feel like it was history. I don't know, but I have a vague memory of learning about him. So I'm going to maybe say Mr. King's class. So maybe junior year, because that was U.S. history, because we didn't have history in ninth grade. We didn't have, we had world history in sophomore year. So U.S. history would have been 11th grade.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think I learned about him until college. So Mm -hmm. I think you might have had a better history teacher than
1: i <laughs> i mean mr kink was the shit and if you're out there and you hear this shout out to you but yeah i also, yeah, like I also name <laughs> right um not for a high school teacher he got made fun of so much but i also well, want to yeah like, recognize that it took me until high school so what you in every public school district and i'm sure like now that i live in in new york like this is just part of the education here so I probably would have learned about him much sooner because of his work with Adam Clayton Powell and and Medgar Evers and and people that are so prominent in this area, especially in Harlem. But yeah, my first memory was high school.
0: Nice. Yeah, that predates mine. Mine is college and you know, I went to a pretty wonderful college where social justice and civil rights and all So kinds not of... WSU. Ooh, no. okay so once you got to evergreen yeah once i got to evergreen well okay wait no it would have been at wsu in the gay history class actually okay but but very briefly like a blip Mm -hmm. It, yeah it wasn't i couldn't speak about him i feel like until evergreen when yeah we could really dig into like bigger picture stuff and I can understand where all these pieces fall and you know all the kind of what, what you see in the documentary like okay what did this march actually do or like what were they mm-hmm. hoping to do and and you know when they said jobs and freedom where did they get that and all of that kind of stuff so mm-hmm. yeah. yeah it actually is a nice full circle moment for me in the first podcast I ever did was about Baird Rustin with my classmate Ben I think it was my first or second year at evergreen in some history program we took but yeah not as high quality as you know this this gem that we do now but it was to find that podcast. you know i didn't quite have time to find it i might still have it i feel like i saw it recently but i digress (laughs) it's a fun full circle moment and it also made watching it both better and worse in a weird way having like knowing so much about him i feel like I knew every beat that was going to happen because I was familiar with his life, mm-hmm. but it also, I also knew how important he was. So I was also invested. So it was mm-hmm. kind of a dual edged sword for that. I also I had anticipated this one for a while. So I might've had my hopes up just to scotch too high for this one. But
1: as soon as you said kind of like a blip on your radar to describe your like intro to Bayard, I was like, I feel like that's a, unfortunately a good description of how he has been presented in the US education system i probably shouldn't make such a grand statement but after watching this movie and like that that scene where he gets asked if he would remove somebody who was a threat to the movement and then he says unless it was me and he calls up everyone to speak on what he's helped made possible and to see that kind of capability and impact and to also have him held as like a blip in this movement now I feel like it's such a slap in the face and like just so disheartening because he really was the only person who could have pulled this off Because nobody was able to bring everybody together. Nobody was able to stop the infighting and to produce literally the largest protest in our history. And the first time I'm learning about him is in high school. And like, I still learned a lot about him from this film. I think it's why films like this are very important, even if they're not something that a lot of people are drawn to because we're not doing him justice in our education system. And so we need more opportunities for people to see themselves and like to learn about him. I also was thinking of like how contrast this film was to the film, like the little Richard documentary. Mm -hmm. Like here we have two black gay men who grew up with a very different understanding of their identities and a very different approach to it and I was still so sad for both of them Mm -hmm. because at the end when he's like maybe one day I'll get to a place when I'm older where I can like fully accept love and I was like that's brutal again sacrificing yourself for something bigger and like that's beautiful and also heartbreaking oh yeah Sorry, Absolutely. I feel like I totally just went on a tangent and I was no, like let me just I go completely
0: with it. no I I completely agree I completely agree with you no notes <laughs> on <Ooh>. what <laughs> <like> you said <laughs> no notes I agree I think that he was the only one that had the, the passion the logistical mind and some of this. I don't honestly like craziness feels like the wrong word, but just like wasn't going to take no for an answer, even in the face of, yeah, white police or whatever it was. That could, yeah, pull this off. And I think he deserves way more credit than he gets. And I think that's why when I learned about him, I was like, we have to make podcasts about him for our project Mm -hmm. and why I was so excited about this. I guess my question for you is do you think the film, Did him justice like if you have all these thoughts like oh we need to know more he's an unsung hero do you feel like this helps that at all
1: i do i also think i'm in a weird position in my life where like i will always want to know more about who he is as a person and like what his feelings were like i wanted it to go deeper on just like who he was. But I think that's asking a film to do something that it wasn't setting out to do. It was setting out to show his impact on this monumental moment in history, not to teach us about like his life prior to this. So I think I I was incredibly emotional the entire time. Like I cried on multiple occasions. And so, yes, I, I'm sorry, I already forgot your question. Tell me the question again.
0: <laughs> if he's an unsung hero, does this mm-hmm. movie help that at all, essentially?
1: I think so. I think especially the people who are associated with this film help it. The fact that it was produced by Michelle and Barack, Mr. President,
0: So actually back in 2013, Obama honored Rustin with the Presidential Medal of Freedom, obviously after he had passed, but still pretty cool. And adding to what you're saying of like trying to get some of that recognition and honor to him.
1: Yes, I think because of the clout that the people associated with this movie bring, that more people are going to be likely to see it and to learn about it. I think also the reach of this film is going to be broader because of where we are currently at as a society. While there's still many, many issues when it comes to queers and when it comes to Black folks in regards of rights and stuff, that it's a much more acceptable topic to talk about. And so I think because of that, people are more willing to go and see it. I also think it being on streaming is doing it more of a service than a disservice. Kind of honestly to what we saw with Bros. Like, we're not yet there where we can get a huge number of people to show out for queer films, even though Bros is a very different movie than this. But I think that's where streaming comes in to give a platform because people want to see this content, but they just might have barriers about getting to a movie theater. So, yes, I think this is very much going to help, um, especially if it gets Oscar buzz and especially if it gets nominated, which I do feel like Coleman Domingo did a phenomenal job and and very much should receive recognition.
0: Yeah, I also think the runtime makes it especially accessible, too. I think the credits start uh, an hour and thirty four minutes in or something like it's it's a it's a good watch, honestly, especially Someone who's the last handful of movies that have come out with Oscar buzz have been, you know, Scorsese's three and a half hour monster, Anatomy of a Fall, that's 240, Holdovers, that's two and a half. Like, there's just been some really long movies lately. So when when this one wrapped up at an hour and a half, I was like, oh, the good old days. I love this. Right, right. <laughs> Coleman
1: Domingo's performance kept reminding me of Keith David. And there, so I don't know if this is actually how Coleman Domingo sounds. I know you named a bunch of movies he's in, but I could not place this actor, but the raspiness of his voice and like the, the inflection just very much gave me Keith David. And I could imagine him if this movie had been made years ago, also being able to accurately, accurately portray Bayard because I, you mentioned it. Earlier, there's like a, again the word I have is crazy, but like a touch of crazy in Bayard's eyes that I feel like Coleman was able to capture this like fire that wasn't going to be extinguished by anybody, and that's also what I see in in the way in which Keith David portrays so many different characters. So I feel like that also would have been a good casting if it had been made earlier. Yeah, that's something I just wanted to say because I was like. <laughs> I had to go on Google to see if they were related or if he was just doing that good of job of like portraying him.
0: Yeah. I think the Oscar buzz will definitely help more people see this movie and that will be cool. I do think Coleman Domingo is very good in it. I, I found myself at certain moments thinking may have been just a touch overacted. Did Chris Rock as Roy Wilkins work for you?
1: No, but I think that's my own bias against Chris Rock as a comedy actor. And and because he's got such an identifiable face, it's hard for me to truly believe him as anybody other than Chris Rock.
0: Yeah, I actually really had wished for anyone else in this role. I, I The same. I couldn't see him as anything but Chris Rock. I thought that his let's age him up a little gray hair was also a little hard to look at. And yeah, he... Something about Chris Rock, he just can't change his cadence to me. And I just thought that Roy Wilkins had a slightly calmer cadence. And I just, I couldn't see past it. So that one, that one constantly took me out personally. But that again, might be a little nitpicky because Coleman Domingo was pretty great as Baird. So like, I don't know. I'm not too bothered. I also thought that Amal Amin as Martin Luther King Jr., I thought he was really good. Some of the reviews mm-hmm. said he was really flat, but I I thought he was great.
1: I mean, I guess I wasn't really watching for anyone other than Bayard. Like none of the performances truly stood out except for Powell was asking about like who would like would you take somebody out? And the guy and like the the rest of the committee kept trying to move past it and move past it. And then he like brought it back up again. And that gentleman was like, We have moved
0: past.
1: I was yeah. like, fuck yes. That was a scene that like stayed with me, other than Coleman Domingo's performance.
0: Hmm. He was really good too. I I did also really appreciate And it's, again, just a blip that the one lady that they had in there was at one point like, why is there no women? Hey, all you men, there's no women speaking, maybe some women. And it was very fast and probably deserved more attention. But I was glad they at least worked that in because, yeah, all these men got a little wrapped up in all their being men. And she was like, hey, yeah, so I'm helping a lot. Let's (laughs) let's also consider women.
1: But that's also just like a running issue that occurred in in many civil rights movements that like the women were not prioritized or acknowledged for their role. And so I think think the amount of screen time it was given was also just very representative of what it was probably actually like. So I thought that that worked well. And I also thought that that was a good way of pivoting because all of a sudden I was like, wait, what's happening? And then I realized that people were bringing up any other topic to avoid the one that he was trying to allude to. I thought this scene where we hear about Baird's arrest in Pasadena, the like couple of sentences he said afterwards, when they're also talking about the sandwiches, like, you've got to think of the details. It's going to be 80 degrees. Like the cheese is going to spoil. Like, how could you be so careless? Why would you be so? Ca- and that was heartbreaking. Cause you could tell like, he's literally saying that to himself while like everyone is bearing witness and that's like I thought that was also a really brutally well acted scene because it shows that like this man is fighting so much for people who don't want him to exist and like he's trying not to lose hope but he's also very mad at himself for even putting himself in that position
0: yes that was a great scene and people throughout the whole movie are constantly telling him what an inspiration he is. So you can see that, like, there's also that little bit of, like, I have to keep being an inspiration to these people. I can't, I can't lose my shit. But he's so close to losing his shit. And, like, understandably so. He's got a lot going on. I did think the movies... Boy, I have some kind of mixed feelings. But, like, the amount of time that was spent on him and Elias... Felt a little odd to me because the focus was the march and it kind of felt like it was saying, oh, but he got a little distracted, which almost felt a little. Not important at the very least, if not disrespectful. I disagree. Okay, Yeah, talk to me.
1: I disagree because I feel like it. We wouldn't be saying that if he'd been straight and if it had been like him falling in love. With with a woman?
0: No, I or... absolutely would. Really? Oh yeah. Love life does not have to not when you're putting this together. It's okay. not because he's gay. If a woman had distracted him, I would definitely say the same thing. I mean it as more of like a how do you tell the story about this person? And like, so if I was telling the story, I would have de-emphasized that a little bit because. I feel like the character would have. This could be totally out of line, but I'm just saying what I think.
1: (laughs) But I think it also shows that he's, that he's human. Like who's to say that Mm. there wasn't something like this that was actually going on. And like,
0: Oh, I think this is, I think this is historically accurate. I do. I'm pretty sure this is.
1: So then the character wouldn't have not done it. Like, if this is historically accurate, then, like, I would I mean, say the, more about what you mean.
0: Okay. So, if this whole movie is 90 minutes, and we, mm-hmm. like, it's, I'm thinking about it just, like, percentage-wise. Like, in his whole life, this, again, this tiny fling with Elias was probably not as important as organizing the March on Washington. Like, to emphasize it on a similar level feels wrong to me especially because we get him saying like oh I can't open my heart to love so like
1: I mean yes but I still disagree because I think like this was showing the duality of his life like yes the march was very 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 important to him but so was being like honest and truthful to a certain maybe those are the wrong words but like because he wasn't honest and truthful because he was struggling to fall in love, but like still connecting with other people and like with that queerness. And so a thing that's coming up for me is like, how can we preach salvation and not want to save yourself? How can you speak of love when your heart is disconnected from your flesh? That was a quote that he said to, I'm pretty sure to Elias. And so the like the idea that like, yes, I'm marching for this, but I'm also not going to deny myself these pleasures and like these experiences Because this is who I am and I'm not going to deny who I am. And like, when we think about the timeline of this, it was seven weeks. And so it went by like within seven weeks, he met this person. He spent enough time with this person to like develop feelings. And then this person's wife gets pregnant and picks up the congregation and, and all of this stuff. So it just happened very, very quickly. And I feel like that was I don't know. I just I I feel like it was given an appropriate amount of screen time.
0: I love that take too. I just had that thought a couple times when when it slowed down and it was just them. I just kept thinking like, okay, but this isn't the focus. I don't know. Maybe if I had something and maybe it's you know what? Maybe it's because we know how what happens. Only years later can I have this thought because I understand how many people showed up and what it meant. And like Coleman Domingo, or sorry, Baird Rustin, obviously not Coleman Domingo, Baird Rustin in this moment has no idea if 100,000 people, let alone 250,000 people are gonna show up to this. So perhaps this is just like a really hindsight way of thinking about it as well.
1: I also think it shows that like there was stuff going on in his life outside of the march that even when doing 12 to 15 hour days every single day for seven weeks that like
0: he could have secrets and be multifaceted and
1: yeah he was still he was still a gay man i also do get your perspective of like what's the purpose of this movie because it sounds very much like like you didn't care for the the b storyline um (laughs) yeah and it gives me feedback, not feedback, but, like, reminds me of when, like, you're not a rom-com guy. You're not necessarily <laughs> here for the love, here for the, the aspect, like, that aspect. You are here for the march. You're here to learn about him and the march, not him and his love life or his issues with his love life.
0: Yeah, you're right. This could be more of a reflection of what interests me as a story versus any actual thing that the movie has done. Yeah, touche. I will say I like a handful of rom-coms, okay? A handful.
1: Um, I have another quote that I really like. Each of us are taught in ways, both cunning and cruel, that we are inadequate, incomplete. And the easiest way to combat that feeling of not being enough is to find someone we consider to be less than. Less than because they are poorer poorer than us, or because they are darker than us, or because they desire someone our churches and our laws say that we should not desire. When we tell ourselves such lies, start to live and believe such lies, we do the work of a, our oppressors by oppressing ourselves. That was good. And- I thought that that was beautiful and I hope that is actually what he said because I think it highlights the like splitting of movements that we even see today specifically in like the Democratic Party like in the beginning of the movie they were talking about how we're sniping at each other or how like the organizations were sniping at each other while like Republicans were just gaining energy and like we couldn't move forward if we were doing all this infighting And I think that's also kind of like what we're experiencing now within like the the Democratic Party is just like this infighting and this sniping and this like choosing to not come together. And it's weird to like see things that happened so long ago, quote unquote, still be relevant now.
0: Oh, yeah. The more you learn about organizations especially political ones or ones that involve a lot of protesting I mean it doesn't really matter what you're fighting for eventually when you get too big the infighting seems to be sort of inevitable it doesn't matter if you're looking at civil rights queer rights trans rights it happens constantly I think a lot of it boils down to how radical and far people want to take a lot of their opinions and the tactics used to get there right I mean within the civil rights the two big ones are obviously honestly stem one of them from Baird Rustin and his nonviolence. he's the one that taught Dr. King about nonviolence, and I was really glad they said in the movie like when he met Dr. King he had armed guards and you know it takes a lot of lessons from Baird for him to change a lot of that and like Arming yourself also makes sense, right? you you get death threats. You're constantly in danger. The fear is real. It's just kind of the rethinking of that philosophy. And then on the other side, you have Malcolm X, who you know understands that it, violence is necessary sometimes to get the attention that you need. So it's it fits in so many ways perfectly within ev- everything that we know about the history of this.
1: I also, of course, think it's like. Difficult to have like more of an opinion on this film and like what I think it did well or what I think it didn't do well because I'm not, I'm not black. And so I always feel at a, not disadvantage, but like unable to, it's not my story to really have an opinion about. I liked the acting. I liked the casting choices. I love that this is a movie that is out there. And also because I did not grow, I grew up in predominantly white US education system. I don't know enough about this story to see if people are going to come out and be like, this is a misrepresentation. This isn't accurate. Like, I'm very curious to see what um like Adam Clayton Powell's family if they have any comments on it because I don't like I, I don't think it painted him in the best of lights yeah. and I'm sure that they're going to have opinions but I always feel hesitant to give too much of my opinion about something that I am not a part of
0: yeah also people can change so even if you know hypothetically if this is accurate of powell like he still has plenty of time to change after this as well so Mm -hmm. yeah that's fair and this also is not a documentary so they're gonna dramatize things yeah for effect obviously there is however a documentary on bayard rustin called brother outsider the life of bayard rustin so if you do want one check that out it's pretty good
1: I will definitely do that. Also, I very much thought this was going to be a documentary. I don't know why. um, (laughs) But yeah. But I feel like the trailer should have tipped me off that it was not. But I did think it was going to be.
0: Or at least by the time you saw Chris Rock. Accurate. Oh, Oh, it's not a documentary? (laughs) It's not a documentary? (laughs) I don't know what I was thinking. One of my favorite scenes personally was actually the one sex scene in the movie because things kind of like escalate and the passion kind of escalates to a sermon and I got to be honest that was not something I ever thought that I would necessarily like see or have the cuts in between and I thought it was really well done and I was kind of here for it I was like huh these things that inherently don't go together when you do them right they kind of go together so you know and I think a lot of it was like just to be like these are passionate men Mm -hmm. and like To clearly have that juxtaposition of like God and what is considered bad in God's eyes, but like depending on who you ask. I thought that was great. That was probably my favorite scene in the movie.
1: Yeah, that was a really cool scene. I also liked the line, the line on the day I was born black, I was born homosexual. They either believe in freedom and justice for all or they do not. And it it truly is that simple. It truly
0: is. I 100% agree. I just also think he essentially needs support from people that don't support him Mm -hmm. in order to ever get to a world that, like, he could be free in.
1: Yeah. And I I think that's where his pacifism helped him because he was able to, like, still believe that folks who hated him deserved rights. Yep. And, And he basically said as much. She was like, I'm still fighting for the people that don't want me to have power and I'm still showing up. And that just because somebody doesn't like you doesn't mean that they don't deserve rights as well.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, his nonviolent approach, especially for someone like him, is so admirable because there are certain, even scenes, I'm, I'm sure it happened more than just what we see in the movie, but certain scenes where I would have straight up punched whoever was screaming at me in their face and like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it wouldn't have worked out well. When he's working for the anti-war group and he has like a, a little outburst and then his boss has a big outburst about how he's gay and he needs to, I don't even know, all these horrible things, I would have punched him right in his face and... Baird just like walks out the door and there's other escalations that he's just like, yeah, go ahead and hit me. And he, he's never choosing violence and it's just so honorable. Cause I, some of those people need to be punched.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I agree. You know, I, I, my saying is violence is. Not the only answer, but I also think the film did a good job with like the cutting, like the scene cutting and jumping back to moments of physical violence in his life so like when he was on the bus and it showed his previous experiences on a bus i think that for me represented like it's not as if these things don't impact him it's not as if he doesn't carry these things with him when he's in those situations again it's that he's actively choosing to not respond in the same way that these people have responded and to continue fighting with people who look like the violent oppressors to achieve freedom for all. Yep. And I think sometimes when we think about pacifism, we think like about weakness and about like, oh, well, you just don't have a relationship with like anger or things like that. And it's like, no, he probably had a lot of anger and Mm -hmm. at times really wanted like to have the type of justice that violence could bring him. And also he made a conscious choice to process and to experience those feelings differently what a champion i am curious (laughs) of like how do you feel talking about films like this in regards of like them being biopics not biopics um (laughs) or or documentaries especially when they're about somebody that has identities that are different from your own like what comes up for you
0: I mean rightfully so obviously a little bit of like imposter this isn't my place because I am not a gay black man but I think there's still a lot of relatability to I'm gonna I'm gonna go out of line I'm gonna say all queer stories I can relate in some way even if it's because there's all kinds of feelings with queerness, right? All kinds of queer people are different. So there's usually some relatable struggles in queer stories, you know, whether it's okay. chosen family or a lot of the different queer tropes that we talk about on here. I think I love queer history. And so Baird Reston is one I'm always going to want to talk about because he's one of the, I'm going to say, only queer folks that i am aware of that was really involved in like this period of the civil rights movement i have no doubt that there were others but i imagine a lot of that documentation on those experiences is lost and maybe never known so one of the only ones that we'll be aware of so i think he's just sort of an icon so mm-hmm. i think i feel some pride in talking about him in that way just because as current queers we can be like those that came before us this is literally what we're talking Mm -hmm.
1: yeah and I think what like you were describing was like your ability to empathize of like you might not have been in the same experience as a black gay man um during the civil rights movement but you can relate to fear and can relate to the desire to like want to be seen and want to be accepted because as a trans person and as a queer person like those are also experiences that you have encountered and so it's not the same but it's able it's being able to identify with that feeling despite the experiences being different and also like I think the way in which we go about talking about these movies is different it's not critiquing characters or or like choices like that it's how well was it acted how well was it shot how well was it portrayed Whereas like we can talk about storylines and we can talk about like decisions like that when it's fiction. So I guess I always feel like I have to approach it differently when it's a nonfiction film, especially when it's a nonfiction film about folks that like I don't know a lot about or I like don't have more than a few shared identities with. So yeah, just just something I keep in mind.
0: No, yeah, that's super true. I think when it's, the nonfiction you don't have all the art room of the narrative to yeah critique and play around with because yeah this is real life experience so I think for biopics a lot of it's just kind of like where did we spend our time what did they emphasize what did they forget what was accurate those are kind of the things that that I ask myself um, mostly just to make sure that the subject my first thought was was done justice. But I guess some version of that, depending on who it is. You know, sometimes you want to tell a story about a horrible person and you don't want them to have justice. So I guess just however you want to portray whoever you're talking about. Yeah.
1: And I think kind of like asking the question of like, do you think if Baird Rustin saw this film that he would be happy with it? And I'm not him, but like, I'm happy with it. I think it's a I thought it was a a good movie. A solid movie.
0: Yeah, me too. I think it tries to give him credit where credit is due with also acknowledging that he was a human being and human beings have flaws. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did think to use his lewd conduct arrest as his kind of biggest mistake that made him start to lose his shit i'm not sure something that i would have done if i were making this because when i learned about him that seemed fairly well known so it felt very dramatized that like one word of pasadena would kind of have that effect because my understanding is he was pretty forthcoming. Like, hey, this is a possibility. This could come up sometime mm. with his close, tight-knit inner circle, at least Dr. King and uh his assistant. So to me, if that's the case, I'm not sure that panic was there. But I do understand, again, for storytelling purposes, to like keep things moving along, that may have been a way to encapsulate all of that. When I remember learning about him, I don't remember thinking like, he was flawed and the movie made it seem like he was more flawed than I recall, but it's also possible that I was romanticizing him a bit.
1: I, I get what you're saying. And I think you also though answered your own question of like, yes, in his inner circle, people knew like when they 1st and like, when we first meet him, he's going to give his resignation and he's confident that Dr. King will be like, Nope, I don't accept this and show their unified union. Like that incident had been held over his head for a long time, even though people knew. But the thing I think that they were leveraging was telling everybody that like, we all might be fine with it, but will the movement, will the hundred and two hundred and fifty thousand people that show up be fine with it? Will they still stand behind you? And so I think he always knew it would be A possibility, but he'd already seen a few years earlier that like people wouldn't stand behind him. And so there was that really big risk. And it came from within his own party. Like it wasn't, at least in the way the movie showed it, it wasn't white folks who released that information. We were made to believe that it was like coming from within that group. And then that group showed up and reaffirmed him this time. But I think that that would be terrifying that like something you've worked so hard for could be undone by this thing that shouldn't even be illegal.
0: Yeah. And happened like 20 years prior. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And the fact of it is, yeah, that that's a bullshit law to begin with. So right. to say that he's flawed, does not that's not obviously what I mean, but. That's they're trying to portray him that way by using these ridiculous mm-hmm. laws and mm-hmm. behaviors. So,
1: also, I don't actually know if it was with two men, but when it was like lewd conduct with two men, I was like, oh, get it, baird. But yes, I like the idea that his sex life might not have been as traditional as oftentimes I feel like we try and portray queer sex in that day and age as being. So, be nasty, it's good.
0: Yeah, just don't get caught.
1: Thank you for joining us today on Queer Watching. If you like what you heard, give us a five-star rating where you get your podcasts. You can also send us an email with
0: recommendations or feedback at queerwatching at gmail.com.